0: hello texans and welcome to the program that gets you inside the building nrg stadium right here in the hyundai texans radio studio mark vandermeer with you joined on a thursday night as always as usual the general is with us john mcclain from the houston chronicle john how are you doing
1: mark i'm doing great posted my second mock draft with aaron wilson today and i and i uh Last week, I had Andre Dillard, the left tackle from Washington State, with the first pick. My two second-round picks, Temple corner Rakia Sin, and Hmm. Wisconsin tackle David Edwards, who's a right tackle. This week... I threw a curveball. Probably the only time I'd do it, I had cornerback Byron Murphy with the first pick and two offensive tackles. Left tackle, Yadne Kajusti from West Virginia. And then the right tackle, I had Caleb McGarry from Washington, a four-year starter at right tackle, who not only has his undergraduate degree but has a master's, and he's 6'7", and he's been a right tackle for four years in a pro-style offense and knows how to put his hand in the ground. So... Wisconsin plays pro-style offense, so does Washington. It just seems like it would be an easier transition. And Who puts out better offensive linemen in the NFL than the University of Wisconsin?
0: Well, John, let me ask you this. I've got a lot of questions based on what you just saw. One comment, though. Of all the names you just mentioned, statistically only maybe two guys are going to end up being very solid NFL players, right? Statistically.
1: Statistically, but I think when you're second-rounders, you expect the first rounder to start immediately. Right. And especially, but they don't always do no, it. No, but Andre Dillard from Washington State, probably the best pass protecting offensive tackle out there, came from Mike Leach's offense, played in a two point stance, and his stock keeps going up. I don't think he's going to be there at 23. Okay. And I also we have six offensive, six tackles going in the first round, none high, but then starting at about. I think with Buffalo going down, I think there is going to be a run on them because there is so many great defensive linemen. People are going to say, "Let's keep the guys who keep those defensive linemen off our quarterback." We'll get the defensive guys in the second round. So Dillard is a tremendous pass protector who needs to work on run blocking, and then uh, David Edwards, the right tackle from Wisconsin, I think he, you know, the fact he comes from a pro style offense might make a transition easier for him. The same as Caleb McGarry from uh, Washington. Aaron and I are doing 12 of these. I've got 10 more. All right, so you have a lot I may put options. a quarterback in there at some point. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> just, I want to be different every week, but yeah. I also want to be somebody I think you, the Texans need and would fit what they do here. All right, if, all right, let's, you have three picks in the
0: first two rounds. If it 's not a corner or a tackle among those three what 's the likeliest position other than corner or tackle they would take with the first three picks in their arsenal
1: Well, first of all, I do not see any scenario where, where they don 't where Brian Gain does not take a tackle with the first round pick because there 's a lot of value at twenty three now the corners it's not a great year for corners better year for tackles i 'm thinking free agency it is the worst year of free agency for corners I can remember. Maybe a couple will be cut because they make too much money. But right now, you're not going to get a starting corner in free agency, I don't believe. But it's a little better for offensive tackles, but not like the draft. So say in the second round, they took a corner and took somebody besides a tackle, I think another pass rusher. I think they need a third pass rusher.
0: Even if they re-sign Clowney.
1: uh, Clowney's Clowney's not going anywhere. And I think it'll be franchised. So you got JJ and you got Clowney. You need somebody to do what Whitney used to do, seven or eight sacks. Somebody could come off the bench. And if it's inside, that's even better.
0: All right, so pass rusher. I see pass rusher at some point in the draft. And by the way, along those lines, I think we're all curious to see what Duke Edgevore could do. In year two. They like
1: Duke. Duke flashed. And you know how it is. Those guys make their biggest improvement usually between the first and second season. And that's why I'm eager to see so many of these talented rookies last year, what they're going to do. Like I believe Martinez Rankin will start at left guard. Okay. He's being moved inside, coming out. Of college, everybody talked about him as an inside player, and I think y'all start him outside because you needed tackles. But he's going to be ticketed inside, and I could see him starting, and then probably Zach Fulton back at the right, and then two new offensive tackles. And but okay, let me ask you that: yeah. if it's not a pass rusher, and I think they need a third one, especially inside, what would you? What do you think it could be? All
0: right. Um- The upset pick early on would be either a wide receiver or a running back. Those would be
1: upsets. In Aaron Wilson's first mock draft, he had Devin Singletary from Florida Atlantic in the second round. I just don't see with the needs at tackle and corner going away. Now, if you take a receiver in the second round, you got three. You got three really good starters. Yeah, you do. And I think it depends a lot on where they take the receiver – what do you think of Vincent Smith? Now, say yeah. there's a say there's a free agent out there, like when Cecil Schwartz came here, right? Or Nate Washington. They're older. Mm-hmm. They're not going to make a lot of money. And the agents say, yeah, you would be the fourth receiver, but two of them have been hurt a lot. We put a lot of bonuses in there based on your playing yeah, time, you're play. catches, yards. You That's got right. a chance to make money if you go to Houston. And if you draft a guy in the second round, he's got to contribute. And you don't go in thinking, okay, Fuller and QT are going to get hurt. You go in thinking, okay, they're, they're going to stay healthy now. So that fourth guy better be somebody you know can contribute. Mm-hmm. And I really like Jordan Thomas and Jordan Akins. I like the tight ends. I don't want to see them ever putting four wide outs in there when you got tight ends who can catch like the Texans have. John, why do so many of these national
0: draft pundits highlight a Texan's need as tight end? tight end is up there in the top three with some of these guys because they
1: don't know what they're doing
0: i i would think so because they drafted two last year and they look pretty good
1: i thought if jordan thomas's four touchdown catches every one of them was a good catch yeah you called them it wasn't like they were all perfect passes he had people on him he had to stretch a little bit yeah and with his body type when the ball's
0: in the air you're like oh there's no way he's catching them. oh yes he did touchdown and he's got great hands and but Owen Daniels had five touchdown catches as a rookie, and Jordan Thomas was one Four. short of that mark. So uh, still a great year for him, considering the ball wasn't exactly flying in his direction every time. So I like that. I want to see what Aikens does. Ryan Griffin is still a part of this team. Let's go.
1: If you ask me what position would the Texans not draft, I would say tight end. Yeah. That would be at the top of my list. Yeah. And as far as a running back, Lamar Miller's going to the last year of his contract. I keep pe- hear people talking about his cap figure. Right now, Texans got like seventy-eight million. They're not yeah. cutting guys because of the cap figure. They didn't cut Demarius Thomas for the cap money. They cut him because he's not going to play anytime soon. If he had not been hurt, they'd have been negotiating a lesser contract,
0: and we wouldn't be having the wide receiver coverage. Of course,
1: and and so um, I and then it a lot of it depends on Deontay Foreman. Is he serious about football? Is he going to be in shape? Is he going to be over here? Like I saw Jonathan Joseph working out. Jonathan Jones is working out like crazy. Most of the players are. They're not, I just saw them. They're not round, going around the yeah. country and traveling and eating. They're getting ready. They're hungry after mm-hmm. what happened last year. Deontay Foreman needs to do that. Now, if we see them draft a running back in the, say, second or third round, then to me that tells me uh, there's a good chance Deontay Foreman is not going to make the team.
0: Well, I think – they would want him to at least try. Well, of the course they'd but, want him to. But, and it's kind of like the cornerback thing. It's like, well, if you bring everybody back, you got some names, you got some possibilities. Competition. You, you get competition and you get insurance. The wide receiver situation as well. As far as running back goes – I gotta bring somebody in. I don't know if it's a high draft choice or not, but I gotta bring somebody in. Yeah, I in think here. it'd be like
1: fifth or sixth round.
0: It, you know, that's that's ignoring a big issue on this team late in the season, which is your running game went dry, or too dry anyway, in these final games down the stretch. It really affected your offense and when you were going good during most of the nine game winning streak offensively, you were third in the league in rushing. What were they in rushing during the six games that Watson started in uh,
1: uh, twenty seventeen? This year During the winning streak, it was like 143 in the last six games of the winning streak, 170. And then when the Colts came in here – They did something that showed everybody what to do, and a running game dropped off the face of the earth, and Watson was the leading rusher for the last five games. That's not how you want to Counting the playoff game, and that is not good.
0: And I know it's not all about running back. It's about line and everything, but you still need more talent back there. Not that Lamar Miller's no good. He's good, but you have to have more. In addition, that's how these teams are rolling these days.
1: The Texans have to get – The offensive line fixed. They have to get faster at corner to keep up with the T.Y. Hiltons of the world. And uh, I can't wait to see how free agency plays out. I am amazed, Mark, at all these national media types that have Clowney being, Clowney's going to be the hottest guy out there. And I'm like, "Uh, he's not going to be available. Do the Texans have stupid written across their forehead where they're just going to say, okay, thank you, nice knowing you, You're, you're unrestricted.
0: So you franchise him, in your opinion. And you
1: continue to try to negotiate a contract. Or you can trade him.
0: Now, you don't have to trade him for the two ones or whatever. You could trade him for whatever you want. Well, they wouldn't get point. two
1: ones for a guy that's never had ten sacks. That's why they, he no, wouldn't get won't. the big bucks is because he's not a consistent double-digit But I go way back to, like, rushers.
0: peerless price with Buffalo when they franchised him. And, yes, you could have gotten two number ones for him, but nobody was willing to give that up. So Atlanta gave up a one. They made that agreement. He went to the Falcons, actually ended up, back with the bills later and caught a game winner against the texans here in this building stop me now but i remember that particular situation so you never know what the deal well that was peerless price yeah
1: in I this mean. case <laughs> if the texans traded to devion clowny and you didn't get a disruptive front seven defensive player in return it would be disastrous and the reason is this you can't take draft choices you're playing a much tougher schedule. You've got all these great quarterbacks. You can't take out the second most disruptive player on the defense right. for draft picks who you don't know are going to help right away or not. This is the toughest schedule. You need to add talent, and that's why Clowney's not going anywhere because Jadavion is a great run player. He is a good pass rusher, but he moves around. He's figured out what Romeo Crennel wants, and most important about him Is teams have to game plan for him and what? You take him out of this defense, there's only one guy you got a game plan for with all these great quarterbacks going to be on the schedule next year. You got to make sure you get better in the short term, not looking for 2022.
0: It's a good point because if he wasn't in the mix, does Merciless turn back into 12 sack Whitney Merciless? Does Edge of Four evolve as a great pass rusher? These are unknowns, and the more known thing is Clowney just coming back and wreaking havoc for you in opposing backfields. I mean, I think you got a great situation with Watt having the kind of year he had and not that you can count on that every year, but it's so encouraging with him having a healthy offseason, getting ready for 2019. This could be really great with this defense. Got to get the back end short up. I I still have nightmares about Philadelphia and the inability to stop
1: them. Stop at one drive. Yeah, Texans have a home uh, by in a divisional game at home, Philadelphia doesn't even get in the playoffs. Therefore, who did Philadelphia beat? Chicago. Chicago would have played Minnesota. Well, the universe
0: changes. It
1: would have changed everything. How about just the, that one drive?
0: The Bears beating Minnesota got them the day. Should
1: have lost that game, so Minnesota comes to Soldier Field. I would have played, you know, I would have
0: said, you know, Mike Tomczak, can you come back and play quarterback for us for this one game? <laughs> Do whatever it takes to lose that game, so you have the Vikings again. That was not a dead team, but that was a team that was barely breathing at the end of the regular season, and Philadelphia certainly was quite the opposite.
1: The Vikings didn't have a quarterback who's playing for, you know, more than $100 million like Nick Foles. What do you think about Foles going to Jacksonville? Uh, I, if I'm them,
0: I'm wondering if that's enough. If, if, all right, so as a Texans guy, I look at that and I say, I'll live with that, right? As a Jaguar fan, which I am not, and if I could just put myself in those shoes for a moment, in Jaguar print slippers, I might say, ooh, can't we do any better than that? I mean, we've got a pretty good squad here, potentially. Well, it's, it's an upgrade over Bortles, no doubt. What are your thoughts on that? Bortles is
1: going to be cut. So, it's amazing how many quarterbacks are going to be out there. Do you yeah. value Teddy Bridgewater more than Nick Foles? No. Foles has not had any consistency where he was great. Yeah, You know, he had two great games in the playoffs at the right time, championship game in the Super Bowl. How did he look without Wentz Struggled the first time this last year. year. He, then he plays against the Texans and looks great. So maybe if he started 16 games, he'd be going to the Hall of Fame. But before I sunk over $100 million into him, I would be very leery. But he's he's a, Earl Morrill. He's, he's a tremendous upgrade. Oh, well. Is that, is that a good reference? How many reference? people listening know who the heck Earl Morrill is? Well, you know was. who Earl Morrill is. Of course I know.
0: Wait, wait. You have to say it in the John Facenda voice. Earl Morrill because he was the guy for the Dolphins, right? He was the
1: Dolphins, he was the Colts too. Yeah, that's he was why brought him to the Dolphins. quintessential backup quarterback when he was thrust into the lineup. You know, he's, he a first,
0: he's a first round draft choice though. Earl Morrow I, was. I went back and looked, remember when? The, when before the Mallett Hoyer year, I went back searching. You were hoping Earl, Mar- Earl
1: Morrow would come
0: back. <laughs> yeah, because I was looking for Super Bowl MVPs and Super Bowl <laughs> participating quarterbacks who were not first round draft choices so I could build the case that you don't need a first round draft choice to get to the Super Bowl, which I still say you don't necessarily need that i mean nick Foles is a good example of that but earl more well, earl Morrow was a first round he choice.
1: replaced johnny unitas and he replaced bob Grazy when they were hurt right that's,
0: that's incredible stuff all right john mcclain stays with us we have more on quarterback talk including the hot stove just piping hot right now for the nfl it's texans radio John McLean is with us. It's Thursday. It's Valentine's Day. If you're out, about, if you're headed for dinner right now, God bless you, boy. Th- this is a really tough night to get reservations. Drive carefully. Yes, yeah, certainly. Drive carefully and uh, take care of your loved one.
1: Okay, let me ask you something. We were talking about in the last segment. Yeah. Would you rather see Jacksonville have Nick Falls or Kyler Murray?
0: Kyler Murray. Give me the growing pains. I He might turn out to be great, though, so Nick Foles might be the better pick here as far as what the Texans need from the Jaguars. What do you think of Kyler Murray? To me, now we're in an era where, hey, these quarterbacks and that kind of offense, the, the dimensions of quarterbacks, it's less important than ever, it seems. Now, maybe it'll change. It'll bounce back. Sometimes these things are cyclical, but I look at some of the QBs in the league and their size and the systems they come from and the success they're having, especially at a young age. Why not take a chance on Kyler Murray?
1: Lincoln Riley is coach at Oklahoma. I heard him doing an interview yesterday. He said he was five ten and two hundred. If he's two hundred, I'm two hundred. I'm not two hundred. He's that. He's little. slight. Yeah. And if a college lists a quarterback at five ten, odds are he's smaller. There will be nothing more interesting or exciting at the combine than Kyler Murray being weighed and measured. Oh, you're right to see because if some people think he'll struggle to be five nine, now at the Super Bowl, they said he was wearing those thick Timberland shoes. You know, uh-huh. the kind I need to wear. Give you another two inches, and uh, but. I'll tell you a story about him. Uh, he went to the Elite 11 quarterback school in Oregon after high school that Trent Dilfer runs, and one of the guys that helps is George Whitfield, a quarterback guru from San Diego. And George told me this after that, that each of the quarterback gurus or quarterbacks who get brought in have a station, and these six three, six four high school strong-arm guys come around, and Murray – they're like, wow, he's so small. But George said he made every throw. His arm was just as good as the big guys. Right. The only question is, does he go to a team that runs that will run that kind of offense? To they don't. He not going to go to New England, where they have a pocket offense for Tom Brady. Would Doug Marone play that way? Would uh, the Giants take him to replace Eli. Eli's a pure pocket. Is he gonna passer. look like
0: Doug Flutie in the pocket, John? They
1: think he may be the shortest quarterback since Flutie. i think he's a legitimate 5'9". 5'9 and three quarters, Russell Doug Russell Wilson is like five ten and a half. They talk about Baker Mayfield. He was six foot and a half. Breeze was six foot and a quarter. Vic was six foot when he and Breeze came out. And Mayfield looked so
0: small out there.
1: So with Murray they were talking about how few batted passes he's had. Somebody, I think it's John Lopez, had a great point. He's throwing on the run a lot. It's hard to bat passes when you're on the move. But he did not have an issue with passes being knocked passes down. Passes batted down. Look,
0: if you're six four, really you're getting the ball that much higher. It's, also, it's an arm slot and things like that. It's the ability to see, though. I, I believe that that's the biggest thing. He not-
1: said you have to learn to throw between the linemen yeah. once you can see the field.
0: Yeah, I think the vision part of it is bigger than just getting the ball out of the pocket somehow, the launching point, if you will. I
1: think he's going to be a terrific prospect. I think he's going to go in the top half of the first round. I've had him, I think, to Miami. and uh, He's too talented to not go high. Jacksonville. And, uh,
0: and he's got Mayfield to thank, by the when, way. Yes,
1: and when they see his arm, and what a good arm he has and how accurate it is and how he can throw on the run. And he's smart. He comes from a football family. People are going to fall in love for him. Is
0: he making the right decision, though? If you were in his family, would you advise him to play baseball or football?
1: If you go baseball and he got, what, $4 million? And then he might be in the minor leagues three or four years. Then you get to the big leagues, you got four years to arbitration, six years to free agency. That's nine or ten years in the NFL. Because he's Kyler Murray and he gets all this attention, he's going to have endorsements out the wazoo to start off. Yeah. Everybody's going to want him. Somebody's going to have to play him soon. His contract is going to be set, it's going to be for a lot of millions of dollars. Yeah. He's going to make so much more in his first three or four years in the NFL than he'll ever make in baseball in that to, period.
0: You don't have to toil in the minors and deal with all right, of that. Ride buses and all that. I think the minors are. Better than ever as far as the amenities, but they're still not good. There's so, still a buzz. Yeah, it's, it's now he still can a buzz. Take it's a a nice charter,
1: and uh the thing about Kyler Murray, when he played baseball at OU, he didn't hit three hundred. Don't you need at college at least oh, be hitting three uh, hundred? Really?
0: I did not know that. That's yeah. that's troubling to me. And Lincoln Riley don't hit three hundred in
1: college? Lincoln Riley was talking about how effortlessly he went back and forth. That doesn't happen in the NFL. It's not Deion Sanders playing corner and outfield. This is a quarterback in the NFL who has to spend every waking hour learning defenses. So
0: we drove by Westbury Christian the other day, my son and I, after a baseball game he had at St. Thomas More. And I was talking about Charlie Ward because, you know, Ward's history coaching there. And I said, I said, Charlie, he said, who's Charlie Ward? You know, he didn't know. He's 13. Of course not. So I told him about Charlie Ward. He won the Heisman Trophy as a quarterback at Florida State, played to the Florida State Hoops team, and played to the NBA really well. And, you know, not a Hall of Famer, but he made a nice living in the NBA. And he said, wow, what a choice to make, NFL versus NBA. I, I-, I said, there's no choice.
1: Yeah, you take NBA immediately because you play and you make money yeah, immediately. you're right
0: there with a guaranteed contract day one, and, you know, you can hang around for a while. I mean, I look at guys like James Jones. I don't even know if he's still in the league, but he hung around for he a while. He is on the NFL Network. <laughs> James, well, that's a different j- James Jones. But James What's Jones, not the old receiver? James Jones, the uh, University of Miami basketball player oh, who hung okay. around with LeBron for a while and got a few extra years out of it, even going to Cleveland. I mean, he's got you know five points per game, but if you can shoot the three every once in a while, as a role player, boom, you know, you're you, making a good living.
1: Why do you think failed baseball players like Brandon Whedon and Jordan Akins come to football, but you don't see football players going to baseball?
0: I think. I think baseball is that hard as far as just the technical round bat, round Hitting ball curveball. And, and pitching, the mechanics of that. You know, it's funny uh, that you mentioned it because as a youth sport, first of all, I'm on record. I don't like it. Okay. Now, if my kid were unbelievably great, I might feel differently if he was a pitcher and a catcher. But to me, the pitcher and the catcher are doing 90% of the work. Everybody else is standing around. Is this even exercise? <laughs> you know, I know practice is, <laughs> but I don't I, like, I don't enjoy going to the game as far as seeing my kid play a sport. He's standing out in the afternoon outfield I'm like, hey son, you know, basketball, everybody's moving, even if you're not scoring, you're moving, you're contributing to the cause. I like that part of it. Soccer even, and I don't like watching that. But give me basketball every day. Football, terrific.
1: What a Vander kid. You're watching him and he's good and you're thinking minimum salary, two and a half million. Then I'm all in, John. But you know, if he's on the
0: mound, then I'm I'm watching him. He's not a pitcher. So the pitcher and the catcher, great. You know, he gets an app bat every hour. <laughs> you know, you're standing out there in the Texas cold, which for Texas is like 60 degrees and windy. Okay. <laughs> how about uh, Central you sound Michigan? Sound
1: like such a snob. Yeah, I
0: know. Did you see this video? All right. So the Chippewas <laughs> of Central Michigan, and this is a great example. I was talking to Bill O'Brien about this. How because his kid is a really good pitcher, right? And I was talking to him about baseball down here. You know, they're all outside in January playing baseball. Up north, you can't go outside. So we were, like, talking about that. He's from Massachusetts. And I I sent him this video. The Chippewas, Central Michigan, their baseball field right now, this is a pretty good baseball school traditionally for a northern program. It's frozen solid. And they have a guy in the dugout like play ball, and he runs out of the dugout on ice skates, and he skates across the Are diamond, you me? and he's taking grounders. Oh and it, it, my The video went goodness. viral. Yeah, it's uh, it's really something to see because it shows you the difference. You know, you got rice out here, and it's bright sunshine, and they're getting ready for the season, and you got them, and they, they come even- down
1: for three week road trips.
0: Yeah, they'll come down for a road trip and get waxed because it's their first time outside.
1: I'm always amazed that those schools up north make the College World Series when most of those teams from the south and the west coast have played so many more games for yeah. so much longer.
0: you got to get lucky. you got to break through the starting pitcher in one of these regionals. And then, you know, if things twist right for you, you got a couple of good arms yourself, and maybe it breaks right. And by then, you've been outside a lot. you you got your rhythm going. Anyway, didn't mean to get off on that tangent, although maybe I did. It's Tangent Radio 610. All right, we're going to continue with John McClain and then get into it with John Harris. Several topics will be addressed, including but not limited to former Texans quarterback Case Keenum. What's going to happen with him now that the Flacco deal is going down? You know, we want to weigh in on that one more time and a whole bunch of other stuff. Just stick around on Texans Radio. Having fun on Valentine's Day. It's Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer with you in the Hyundai Texans Radio studio. John McClain sticking around for at least a half segment or so. And let's pick up the conversation, John, with case keenum he's in play now that joe flacco is on his way to denver eventually when the league year begins i wish we could announce these things officially a lot sooner but anyway where is he going to go is he definitely going to be a backup or will he go someplace where he has a snowball's chance to start like maybe arizona if they don't like josh rosen or buffalo if josh allen falls on his face what is the deal with case
1: First of all, I'm listening on the NFL Network, all of them going about what a great deal that was. And I'm thinking, now, wait a minute. Flacco's had four bad to mediocre years. His rating has been under the NFL average four years in a row. He's been hurt every year as well. And why is this a good deal? Because John Elway made it when John Elway struggled getting quarterbacks to Denver uh, ever since Gary Kubiak left. And so I don't know, Case, I feel bad for him, but he finally made some money. Of course, we would all love to see Case be the backup here, but anybody coming to the Texans has to be like Brandon Wheaton. They know their lot in life. They're not going to play barring injury. They have to be like a coach on the sideline, which Brandon is, and which Case could be. I don't know about Wheaton, but Case is going to be a coach like his daddy when his career's over and everybody should want to have Case Keenum, but I'm like you. I don't see Case going somewhere, and they say, look, the only time you're playing is an injury, and because there's a lot of situations that are kind of iffy. Well One of the iffies is Denver. There's no guarantee when Flacco's been hurt for four years that he's going to stay healthy 16 games. If I'm John Elway and I can afford it, I keep Case around uh, backing mm. up Flacco. Otherwise, you've got to go get another quarterback because I just don't understand why everybody thinks it's such a good deal. Well, they
0: had to do something, right? They couldn't stand Pat.
1: Flacco was better than Case in 2012. Is he better than him now? What do you think happened
0: there, John? Because Flacco was a great story for a while. He made the playoffs each of the first five seasons in the league. Harbaugh along with him because Harbaugh came in the same year as Flacco. In the fifth year, they win the Super Bowl together. And after that, obviously, once you win a Super Bowl, you have nowhere to go but down unless you're the Patriots and you stay there every year, pretty much. So, what happened to Joe Flacco? He played
1: well in 2014 when Kubiak was yes, there. Yes, he the did. That was his best year ever. That was the
0: best year for the Ravens' offense. And ever. he
1: got the big contract, and then he started getting hurt. Fifty-six, seven. He's been hurt for four years, yeah, including last season. And the Ravens thought so little of him. They started Lamar Jackson and kept him as they should have, but they just totally gave up on Flacco. And uh, they get the four. It's Denver's four, not Houston's four, which is a lot higher. I think that's a really good deal for the Ravens. But he didn't have real good receivers. His offensive line was good but not great. And how many good running backs have they had in the last few years?
0: Yeah, Collins. I mean, not as many as...
1: I just don't think their talent, it seemed like it was... They always had a great defense and a mediocre offense.
0: Yeah, they've they've gotten by with some tremendous defenses, and you're right, when they won the Super Bowl the first time, it was eh on offense, but they got the job done.
1: There's going to... Blake Bortles, Ryan Tannehill, Teddy Bridgewater. There's going to be a lot of quarterbacks out there. Two of them, Tannehill and Bortles, have started a lot and at times had, had some games, but... And in Bridgewater, to me, based on what he's flashed and the fact that he's healthy, I would be more likely to invest in him instead of uh, an also-ran.
0: All right, quick hits here. Pat Mahomes, is it fair that he doesn't get to play basketball?
1: Yes, of course. I would put for a great quarterback or all kind of players, I would have a long list of things they could not do other than work out.
0: And that's one of them. Are the Raiders happy with Derek Carr?
1: Uh The Raiders may be John Gruden. You never know. He thinks he's a quarterback guru. The success he had at Oakland and Tampa was with older retread quarterbacks, Rich Gannon and Brad Johnson, who played really well for him. But if he decided he wanted to put Carr out there just two years ago, Carr was good. He got that big contract. Everybody loved him. Look at the playoff game. I mean, the game in Mexico City against the Texans. If I'm Derek Carr, I want out of there. I want to go somewhere and start over with a coach that appreciates me. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if uh, I don't have him taking a quarterback on any mock draft because I don't think he needs him. But a lot of coaches want their guy.
0: In Nashville, what's the fan perception of Mariota and what is the team thinking about Mariota?
1: People are frustrated with Mariota because he's, he gets hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. and he's. But in fairness to him, yes, he gets hurt. But he's had it. this is – This is his third offensive coordinator in four years or his fourth in five years. Just no consistency whatsoever. They believe if he could stay healthy, and last year he lost Delaney Walker early in the season, his top target. It looks like they're going to add another receiver to go with Corey Davis or maybe a tight end. They like him. I don't see them giving him a big contract. They'll make him play this year and then see. Do you franchise him? Do you sign him to a long-term deal after this contract?
0: If Minnesota could do it all again, would they sign Cousins?
1: Uh, they didn't even get in the playoffs. He's 4-25 against teams with winning records. Uh, I don't think they'd give him $88 guarantee. guaranteed.
0: But what about Kubiak and his desire, or lack thereof, to work with Cousins?
1: Gary's back there. He got his band back together uh-huh. with Brian Periani and and uh, Rico And uh, so that's one reason. That's why he didn't get the Denver job. He wanted to bring them back. And they always said, we fired him once. We're not going to do it again. So he's got everybody there. I think that uh, Cousins will do very well under Kubiak. They'll get in the playoffs, maybe win a game. Then they'll all be happy.
0: Then they'll all be happy. That'll be interesting. What about Matt Stafford in Detroit?
1: Two years ago, when the Texans beat him, he had like nine comebacks Mm -hmm. In the fourth quarter, overtime, he threw for 5,000 yards. Last year, he had Jim Bob Cooter, his same offensive coordinator, but Matt Patricia came in there, and he did not play well whatsoever. I don't see them drafting a quarterback. Stafford, I don't think, has ever had an injury like Phillip Rivers had that one on his knee, and that was in postseason. He's been remarkably durable, so maybe Matt Patricia is just not the coach for him. With whatever it is he's looking for. But now, if you put Matthew Stafford out there on the market, teams would be all over that guy.
0: Do you think a, a backup quarterback of, say, somebody with the style of Lamar Jackson should be somebody of the style of Lamar Jackson or somebody else? Because I look at Carolina with Cam Newton, who does, you know. Saying rely on running is a little too strong, but he he makes a lot of plays with his legs. But they had Derek Anderson for a long time, and he really did a good job for them.
1: I asked Bill O'Brien one time when he had Watson as a rookie, and Tom Savage, and we all thought Savage would be the starter. He said, I said, do you have to change what you're doing? He said, no, we have all of that. You know, we're prepared for everything. And so you just, depending on the quarterback is that you reduce it down to that quarterback. And so I don't think that's as big a deal. People seem to think like, why is Brandon Wheaton here when his style is not like Deshaun Watson? I remember when Brandon played, he could, he could huff it and puff it pretty good. Yeah. And he just hadn't had to since 2015. So I think that is way overrated, depending on the coaching staff and the way they teach it.
0: So here with Whedon, look, Whedon looked pretty good in the preseason last year. I mean, you could do worse for a guy coming in if, 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 and knock wood and knock everything. Watson should not be able to go for you for any kind of period of time. But what do you think happens here at quarterback? I mean, Joe Webb was the third stringer. I love having Joe Webb on the team. I don't know if that lasts, if that goes another year. His contract's we'll
1: see. up. Uh, I believe that if Bill O'Brien sees somebody out there that he believes – can come in here and provide more than Whedon, then they'll go get him. Money is not an issue. And they're not going to pay a fortune for a backup quarterback like Keenum. But if Bill thinks he can make it work, then Brian Gain will pursue the guy no matter who it is. I'm partial, of course, to RG3, who wanted to come in here in 2017. I did a column with him, and he said he'd love to come in and help Watson. Then he went and helped Lamar Jackson, and they want him back. He's in pretty good shape. With Flacco out – and Griffin's contract's up, he might get more than a one-year deal.
0: All right, John. I saw a list of the best sports movies of all time recently, and they had the color of money in the top 20, which I really objected to because, to me, pool is not a sport. It does not qualify. Your thoughts?
1: Uh, The Rookie, the Longest Yard remake, Invincible, (laughs) Secretary, All the ones that you're in. The Game Plan. Those are my top five. Those are your top five. Pretty good top five, though. (laughs) You could do worse. My all-time favorite sports movie from nineteen seventy one, ABC movie of the week, Brian song, really the original Brian song. So
0: when was the last time you saw it though?
1: Uh, I haven't seen it in a long time because yeah. they don't run it on TV. But they I, saw, I used it. they used to run it a lot. The remake was a desecration. Yeah, you know I, I love The Natural. I thought Field of Dreams was. I great. I saw The Natural Friday Ther- Night Lights was great. It was good.
0: Well, John Harris will disagree because they changed history. In that,
1: well, they do that on every movie. Yeah,
0: they do it with a lot of movies. And
1: and I I thought the rookie was great. Yeah, well, the rookie's on TV about every Dennis other Quay. day. Yeah, yeah. I love I love the rookie and true story, terrific. Uh, that movie was supposed to be PG, and I had two lines in in the press box, and uh, both of them had cuss words, not bad ones. Yeah. One was S O B, and I think the other one was hell. Who the hell is this? So they cut it Even out. Even though we all knew who he, all the media knew who he was. Right. But I had to go. Who the hell is this? Yeah. And then I can't believe they struck that S O B out. And then John Lee Hancock, the director, called me. And he said they've changed it to G because it's such a good family movie. And that's who they're looking for, fathers uh-huh. and sons. Because he said, this isn't a baseball movie. This is about a relationship with the dad and his son and the role baseball plays in it.
0: I didn't like the the whole storyline with his father.
1: They went, so they go but to with the with G. the rookie's
0: father. So, yeah, with, yeah. I like the father and the son. But, eh. So
1: they go to G, and my lines were gone.
0: Oh, John, I'm so sorry about that. I
1: told him, I said, you would make more money now because it's on TV like yeah. every two hours. Cook County would have been
0: 30 seconds if they had to cut it to G. Here's a tree. Okay, that's it. Good night, folks. Good night, everybody. Oh, you're right. John, what do you got going on in the Chronicle? Uh,
1: Aaron Wilson and I have our mock drafts on uh, Texas Sports Nation. We do a podcast every Thursday in which we talk about our picks for the Texans and why we made our three choices. I have a column Sunday about the Texans coaching staff and what it will mean to next season. I have a thing that's online with uh, five storylines for the Texans going into free agency, and then I'll have one next week, five storylines about the draft. So we're staying busy because you can't go wrong writing and talking about the Houston Texans.
0: Thank you, General.
1: Thank you very much, Mark.
0: It's always a pleasure to have the General here in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. And pulling up a chair, I'm so pleased because John Harris is here, and we haven't talked for ages since
2: Last night, maybe yeah. Since last night, yeah. yeah. So, so it's been, it
0: feels like a long time. I don't know why it is. It just feels like a long time. John. Well, it so. does.
2: And I I used to think about this because you and I have both. We've had co-hosts over the years, yeah. And you're with that person every, you know, every single day. And you and I do a lot of Texans radio together, but we don't always.
0: But we do a lot of part
2: too. Yeah, we do a lot of part <sighs> too. So it's a, so it's a little different. So getting back together is, you know, it's like whoa, it's been a little while because it's not every single day. Like during the season. Mm. I mean, there was a for a few years we didn't get together. We'd do the Monday show, Texas Monday, right. but then we wouldn't do anything through the week until we got to the game day.
0: Yeah, but no, then we changed true. that. We it's changed true. that a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, we though. did change. We adjusted that a little bit. I was just talking to the general. I I just threw that in there about a um, a list of best sports movies of all time, and The Color of Money was in the top twenty, and Ooh. it's a it's a movie about pool. So to me, that doesn't qualify because it's not a sport.
2: You right? throw documentaries in there.
0: Yeah, I, Hoop Dreams was number one on this particular list, yeah. and I still want my kid to see it because he thinks he's going to the NBA. I don't think he does actually believe that anymore because yeah. he's sort of, you know, developed this awareness as he turns thirteen. <laughs> I've talked too much about him tonight. I think
2: it was interesting with Hoop Dreams because I was a year behind. Uh, no, I was a year ahead of those guys. Yeah, and I'll never forget when I first saw it. My uh, a friend of mine. I just graduated college and I was staying at a friend of mine's place in, in Massachusetts before I came back. Here for the summer after my senior year, before I started work at Episcopal in Jacksonville, and so my uh, my friend's brother had been working at Northeastern. Oh yeah. In the they had like a he had like a sports internship, and so they had been working, and the guy there had given him a, a videotape and said, "Hey, watch this. We're thinking about putting this out there for the masses, etc." And we're like, "Well, what is it?" He's well, they followed these two kids from Chicago no way yes the raw of it the raw in fact there's there was stuff on that videotape on that that was not the the final edited version yeah so there was some stuff on there that was not in the actual movie documentary the one that went out it's not
0: a spoiler alert to say that neither kid makes it to the NBA because you'll know right away
2: 20 something you know how many ever years after the fact it's still one of the greatest
0: movies I've ever seen no it's fantastic it didn't even get nominated for best documentary which is I think it
2: would I think it would now I think it would now, I think, would I now. think I people
0: think... would notice. More people would be able to see it because of digital copies or whatever.
2: Absolutely, and I think it was so far ahead of its
0: time. Is football better off not only because of other factors, but because you don't have that whole AAU thing? I don't want to completely poo-poo AAU because right. I think it's very good for a lot of kids, but I think it also, with all these different options to play the sport, which is nice for basketball, but I think somehow it gets infected in some ways, because of multiple options. And an old coach friend of mine used to say, losing is not as painful when you have, oh, we got this tournament and that tournament and this weekend. We're going to play tomorrow anyway, so what does it matter? It's not as painful to some of these kids. Not all, but some.
2: Yeah, I I, I tend to agree with that. And and again, I don't want it to be an AAU bashing contest because I do think there are some really good, there's some good that comes out of, of AAU. But I think one of the aspects that makes basketball and football different is you've got the strongest filter and that being the college, the college aspect of things. A lot of, a lot of kids playing AAU are like, Hey, I'm going one year and I'm going to league. Yeah. That's what I'm going. That's right. what I'm going to do. I'm not even going to college. It's, college is a pit stop where I get to play games on television. You don't even really have to go to class in the second semester if you don't want to, while you're in a tournament, right. because you're leaving after that to get ready for the draft. And so there's, there's that element. And for a long time with the the high school, straight out of high school, you were playing aau and there were nba scouts there because they were thinking about drafting you at that point now obviously you've got one and duns and that kind of thing but it's just a different element but i think what you still have in high school football now 7 and 7, seven on 7 is kind of moving in that direction a little bit but the the high school coaches were were you know, pretty powerful and still are pretty powerful as it pertains to the high school football, going to college, going to the NFL. You have to take that three-year yep. road trip to college before you're going off to the NFL, and that ends up weeding out a lot of these kids, or at least the light goes on like, wait a second, I was thinking I was going to the league. I'm not going to the league. I'm not going to, not going to do that. So it's just a different vibe, I think, between the two sports because you do have to stay in college football at least three years.
0: You said it. I mean, high school coaches have more power in football than they do in basketball Absolutely, period because Absolutely. this AAU is so powerful so strong and they have so many different options to play all right you did the series film room with Drew I do yeah. what's your favorite one that you've done so far oh wow and
2: they're not all out no they're not all out we've man but they're we've gonna done a, be out we've done a bunch of I, I think my I think my favorite one is still hop spins because there's a lot going on in that play outside of DeAndre catching and running and spinning and spinning there's a lot that goes on. I mean, just to get seen, him open, yeah, just to get him open, and you can see how the Cowboys made kind of a fatal mistake in that play, in that they decided they're playing, they're playing uh, cover one, which essentially is man coverage with a free safety over the top. Well, the free safety gets stuck on Will Fuller because Will is beating his guy across the field. Here it is
0: again, the and
2: power then, of Fuller. And then Hopkins comes across, and of course he makes that play. But you had great blocks with Jordan Thomas and Alfred Blue on Randy Gregory. You had the linebackers who were looking at Deshaun Watson. You just had a lot going on on that play outside of what DeAndre did with it, which to mm-hmm. me was pretty cool. But um, we did one film room where we just put on a play. We just watched it. There really was no drawing. There was, <laughs> we just were circling fans. talked about it. I was circling fans. I was circling uh, teams on the – and you know what play it is. It's the third 11 throw from Deshaun Watson to Jordan Akins. Yeah. And it's it turns into kind of a hidden moments because – You can see the fans in the stands throw their hands up and start cheering, and then he breaks out, and you see your hands kind of go down. You see Eagles on the sideline watching on the jumbo on the video board going, and then they do the same thing. Like Braden Brooks is on the sidelines, and you can see him, and then Corey Graham, who's the safety on that play, just throws his hands up, like, I can't believe this. And so then we really just. Put the play on. There was really no X's and O's to it. There, because there wasn't any X's and O's to it. It was Deshaun just getting out of that mess of making a play. I didn't feel it,
0: it was a painful loss at the time. There's no doubt. They all are. yeah I didn't feel the level of pain maybe I should have with that one. I just felt like, all right, that was a real tough one, but we can get it together.
2: I think, and I've said this to people, I think Philly beat us twice.
0: I think you're right. I well, think we Phil can expand beat us on twice. that
2: another time. Uh, tomorrow
0: night. Vander Mock is coming out, so Johnny will rip it to shreds because that's what he does. No, sometimes he actually compliments me on a pick or two. We'll see how that goes. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans.